Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All the Things podcast, episode number 25, Coding Challenge Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. What have you been up to this week, Mike? Yeah, hey, Matt. Uh, yeah, it's been one of those uh, weeks, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so pretty much my week consisted fully almost of client work, and it's really ramping up. Lots and lots of work from clients have to sit in review meetings, have to... Um, have to do some demonstrations, have to, you know, go back and forth through email, through calls, have to actually do some coding sometime in between all that. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely been super busy. And then uh, as of yesterday, I guess, we had a full day of coding. And I'm sure Matt will give you kind of a, a wrap up of what this is all about. And that's what this uh, podcast episode is is about. So stay tuned for that. Uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, so basically, my week comprised of a decent amount of client work as well. It seems that I kind of think that client work kind of ramps up in the beginning of the year, and it kind of sets a precedent for the rest of the year. So that's kind of why it's busy, because some of these projects will be well into the summer, I'd say. And then around holiday season, everyone gets busy. So, you know, autumn and, you know, winter, beginning of the winter, people kind of drop off. So this is, uh, I mean, since we're so busy, it's a good precedent. So that's good uh, for sure. Uh, I've also, but most of my week uh, was was uh, actually getting ready for said code challenge, actually putting all that together. And of course, like as Mike said, that's what this week is all about. Uh, so I think I'll just dive right in here because we have uh, quite a lot to say here. It was it, this is one of those episodes where we where we were writing the show notes and we just kept writing and writing and writing, and we were convinced fully that we wouldn't be able to actually get like a full episode done. And then we were like, oh, there's like three pages here, so. Uh, hopefully this doesn't go way, way over time, but we will see because we did do a heck of a lot yesterday. So just to kind of reiterate in case you only listen to the podcast and you don't follow us on any of the social medias yesterday on social media. So that would be, uh, January 14th, 2019, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, we did a whole bunch of stuff on social media. We were doing a 24 hour code challenge. Uh, we, I went over and or I went over to Mike's house and we put together, uh, we started putting together this app uh, that we wanted to put together. And what we ended up doing was doing some client work in the beginning. And then we ended up then starting the code challenge. So we started it maybe two hours late, but we were posting on social media all along. And basically what we were doing was we were putting together an app called No BS News uh, for Reddit, which is basically a non-social media run that's probably not the right way to say it, but it's, it's like a non-social media version of Reddit news. So the various popular subreddits on, on Reddit for news, we pull the news from there. We allow people to share the link. They can go through the different subreddits, like I said, the different sorts. They just basically get a nice like list of links, just like how Reddit does, except there's no comments, no karma, no sign-in, no BS, as we're referring to it as. Uh, and there's like a design note uh, in this episode that'll describe what I mean by no, no BS. It's kind of the motto of this of this project that we've been doing so basically basically uh the different segments i'm going to be going through based on this code challenge is segment number one pre-planning and design segment number two app development and segment number three app deployment and then of course we do still have a web news but it's a related one to the code challenge uh which is our personal opinions on pwas or progressive web apps as this coding challenge uh this news app that i just mentioned is in fact a PWA or progressive web app. So I'm going to kick things off with the first segment here, pre-planning and design. So as a part of this challenge, we were allowed to plan and design and plan design and research uh, before the challenge began. So to prepare, we did some research on PWAs and their functionality because we are completely new to them. This is our very first one. We also researched other news apps and what subreddits uh, would be the most useful to people, which ones are most popular, which ones are organized in some way, or in certain ways, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, from a uh, UX perspective, we took a look at what features a Reddit user would need and expect from a Reddit app, uh, minus the social features, of course, because that's sort of the point of our app. Um, from this, we came up with uh, some wireframes to guide our design throughout the process, uh, which we modified on the spot yesterday or uh, yesterday or on, on the Monday. I shouldn't say yesterday because I think you're going to be hearing this a day later, but... Um, 
So during the during the challenge, we modified some of the some of the designs on the spot to uh, accommodate for uh, an open Reddit post button. If someone is really heated about something and they want to go right to that post and start commenting or whatever, you can do that, but it's not available on our app. Uh, for the obvious reason, um, alongside the alternative uh, share options for PC users. So we were going to have like a share dialogue open up on mobile devices, uh, as you will. But what we did on PC is we just have a real quick, uh, you know, URL copied. So you can quickly just paste that into whatever app or uh, social media post you're using uh, when you're on the PC. So uh, we had a discussion regarding the addition of new custom news sets where users could select a bunch of subreddits to pull into a custom or a single custom feed. Uh, however, this ended up using up a decent amount of time, which wasn't great. And we didn't end up putting it into the app in its current state uh, because the app is is live to an extent right now. And I'm sure we'll get into that uh, in the deployment stage or right at the end here. Um, we, uh, well, one other design challenge that we had was uh, that we had we, we had like issues trying to make the design sort of pop. Um, I don't really know how to describe this, but it's like it's a very it's a very like text heavy app, and so it's 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 weird to just have text on like a white background. And so we ended up going with a dark theme, but it was still a challenge because it, it's just sort of like there's text everywhere. Where's the pictures? Where's the logo? Where's whatever? But we ended up just saying like, well, if we, you know, if we go and take a look at Reddit and like go through that list, especially if you put it on the dark theme uh, or the night theme or whatever they call it, it'll actually, you know, just be text with, with like links. And then of course your comment buttons and that type of thing, but there's not really much color thrown in there. So we decided, okay, you know, this is, this, this app fits in with this sort of thing that people would be looking for if they're coming from Reddit. And so we just left it in a dark theme and let, we're just going to kind of like let the links do the talking, if you will. Um, that kind of ends the first the first segment here, the pre-planning and design. Unless Mike has any questions, we can jump to that segment number two. Uh, yeah, like uh, I, one thing I want to discuss actually, uh, just on the podcast is our thought process of is this for Reddit users, right? Like I think we we have we've had a few back and forths, um, but we're not sure. Like uh, pretty much, I think where we ended is like I don't. The audience that I believe will be using this are people that don't really enjoy the most of the aspects of Reddit. Uh, so they don't like the, you know, the community upvoting, downvoting to oblivion. Uh, the community comments can be kind of toxic, uh, stuff like that. They just kind of, you know, wake up, want to see the news, and that's it. That's what they're going to go for. So they want to go to the news, go to the article, read the article, maybe share it with someone. That was my initial impression um, of, of what this is of who is this is for which which also poses like a little bit of a a branding issue and a problem where like you know because we have it no bullshit news for reddit right like so we're kind of targeting the reddit audience but we're not uh but i don't think we can get around that too much because i believe in the reddit uh, guidelines for their use of the api we have to use their title in the name if we're going to be using their api um I could be wrong on that. I would love if someone uh, could point point that out to me if I am wrong. Uh, and also, I'd like to just put it out to the community. What what do you think? Like, is this if you're a redditor, do you think that this is something you'd value? Something like a, a stripped down version of Reddit, just getting the information? Or if you're a redditor, is this something that you kind of think, oh, this is unnecessary because all the Reddit apps kind of do everything that I need, and I just ignore the stuff that I don't like. And it, it doesn't matter to me or yeah. So pretty much just would love to hear uh, everyone's opinion on where this kind of lands for them. And uh, just to reiterate where uh, they could find it, because now it's actually released. Uh, it is uh, no BS news for reddit.com. Uh, if you go on it from a phone, uh, an Android phone, especially it'll pop up with a PWA, you know, add to home screen prompt and it'll be just like a native app for you. So let us know what you think. Check it, check it out. And yeah, definitely, definitely tell us tell me what what your stance is on is this for a reddit user or is this for people that completely are separate from reddit uh yeah that's pretty much all i wanted to add matt though uh well to add to those comments uh mm -hmm. just one thing is that we do we, we do have fixes and uh additional updates incoming for the app uh the co-challenge was basically to try to get an mvp out which i believe that we did uh quite effectively considering it was our first code challenge we ended up having to actually uh, sleep in between because <laughs> we stopped around 3 or 4 a.m. and then uh, we ended up finishing it the next morning with like after getting a decent sleep so like that's done or Mike finished the last parts I should say 
the parts that we were having trouble with that we mentioned on our IGTV channel. If you're into that, uh, you can go check out those videos. Um, but it is sort of like we, Mike and I had a discussion before this, and it is sort of still in like a demo form. Not everything is there yet. There's still some pieces missing. We haven't monetized it, as we've mentioned in the previous episodes, uh, because we literally just put the app, the ad code in and then didn't test it because we were having trouble with a few other things that were blocking us. So we removed those blockers, but the app certainly isn't done yet. I haven't put in a footer yet. It's a whole... Uh, there's a few things just here and there, but all the main features are there. You can read the news, open in Reddit, share on most platforms, use it as a PWA. All that stuff is there, but more is definitely coming, and we'll probably end up mentioning that on social media or on the show uh, when we add those features later on, because I do plan on working on it a bit tomorrow, trying to get some of those other features up and running. Um, also, that's a really good point you br- you brought up, Mike, is like who is this really for? My kind of thought process was that it was going to be for the Reddit user that doesn't care about the social features, like you said. Um, I know that a lot of my friends, and it's not a massive like sample size, it's not in the thousands by any means, as you kind of should do in market research and that type of thing. But in terms of in terms of people who I know who use Reddit, they will often say like, "Oh, I just use it for news. Like, where else would you get the news? Like, where else would you get, you know, what? Like, where else are you going to get that curation? Where else are you going to are you going to find those links in in that organization in that the curation? As I already mentioned." So I think that it's for maybe those people who just want to, you know, maybe they do have the Reddit app and maybe they even do care about the social features on other subreddits uh, that aren't newsworthy. But if they want to just check the news, they can have a distraction free sort of just I'm going to jump into this no BS news app. I could read my news and then I can move on with my day. And then at night I could go on Reddit and mess around in the video game subreddit or the art subreddit or whatever the heck you're into and there's like it's kind of two separate experiences and that's sort of where i envision it but yeah absolutely uh, you know reach out with what your use case for it is or what you would like to like to see in it or who you think would be using it because it's something super interesting because as a code challenge we didn't do a super ridiculous amount of market research into this sort of thing um but to move the show along here uh segment number two uh, app development so Development went rather smoothly, actually, for the for, for the most part. Uh, we were able to complete almost all of the features that we originally set out to make. Um, we had a few bugs pop up that were dealt with quickly. Namely, we had some responsivity issues with some text overlapping each other. Um, we had some timestamps that were coming in as negative numbers. And uh, Mike did a lot of, like, sort of the the more back-end development type stuff. Like, I, I was the UI developer on this one. So I'm going to actually toss it to Mike to talk a little bit about Vue.js and a couple of the other things that he encountered during the development. Yeah, uh, so yeah, like you said, the development went uh, a lot smoother than I thought it was. Um, I think this is probably my fourth or fifth Vue.js project that I've spun up over the past few months. So that process kind of is a little bit more down pat now. Uh, The Vue CLI is a great tool, so it kind of put me through it, uh, made it a lot a lot more simple. So it really seemed that Vue.js seemed to actually accelerate the development process in this in this case. And uh, with this built-in development server, uh, the fact that it like, you know, live reloads right away, I don't have to, you know, screw around setting any any of that kind of stuff up like I usually would. Uh, that kind of, you know, accelerated the process of me actually starting and writing code and writing business logic and writing the, uh, you know, pulling Reddit logic and starting to parse the, uh, the API there. Um, also, the fact that Vue.js has a you know a really good way of handling event listeners uh, with the you know with binding to the actual elements, which is it, it's pretty convenient. Go, coming from a person that's coming from jQuery, it's a little bit easier to go into this rather than into a different framework that might handle it a little bit more cumbersome. Um, so I, I appreciate that value that Vue.js brings. The onboarding process from someone that's coming from a, a base javascript background i think that's where vue.js kind of excels over something like react uh and then also uh the fact that vue.js also the Vue cli it created a pwa template for us uh right off the bat so that really also accelerated drastically our pwa implementation because it created the manifest it created like you know the, the the logos that were supposed to go into the manifest so we all we had to do was kind of create a uh, an icon and matt actually did that it looks pretty pretty good especially considering i think he only you know spent 20 or 30 minutes working working on it so uh, good good job matt on that one at uh, at, uh, at 3 a.m i might add as yeah well, exactly so. uh, one of the one of the afterthoughts were like oh yeah we need an icon and then 
Matt had to scram- like mad scramble. And I, I, while I was solving some issues, I heard him, you know, having, having an exchange of his own. <laughs> I, I, I yell a lot during development. So, you know, you gotta, yeah. I mean, as soon as, as soon as it breaks a certain point, I think like we all started yelling. Uh, it was, we, we, like you, like you said a couple of times, we should have been recording the whole thing. Cause I think it would have been entertaining um, just near the end with all the panicking and running around and screaming. But uh, that is truly what a code challenge is. Uh, that's that is for sure. So uh, to move to move on now, um, the app functionality implementation went as planned, and uh, it didn't pose much difficulty other than a couple of hiccups and glitches that uh, that we did fix eventually. Uh, Matt already mentioned a little bit, but uh, with the time, so showing how much time has elapsed since each post has uh, has been posted was kind of annoying because how Reddit handles UTC time. Uh, was a little bit different than how you know date dot now handles UTC time in JavaScript. Uh, I had to actually times the Reddit UTC time by a thousand to make it match up, and then you know doing a simple subtraction and converting to hours uh, calcul- calculation was all I had to do after that. But that was kind of like a head banging situation. But really, other than that, it w- it went pretty smoothly. And um, then working with the Reddit API was also really a really good process. Like I've worked with quite a few APIs at this point, And I think Reddit is one of my favorites. It's just like you put any Reddit, any Reddit URL, put, add a dot JSON to it. And it gives you the entire thing in JSON format. I'm a huge fan of JSON. I've been working with JSON since I started in web development. And that made it extremely easy for me to like parse through everything. I made it iterate through every, through all the elements. And then you can add some, uh, some values to the end of that string to, for instance, give a, give the amount of, um, the amount of post back you want. So we kind of adjusted that a little bit and went forward with our, with our, with our development. So I really recommend actually, if you're not comfortable with APIs and you're not comfortable with JSON to go in and take a look at how Reddit handles its API uh, and maybe like, you know, go through it a little bit, maybe try parsing it a little bit, like seeing how you can get a single post out of it. What would you, what would you do with that post to display it? It's a, I think it's a good practice for people that are just, that just want to get comfortable with a very basic API. And that will lead you to be more comfortable with the more complicated ones in the future. It's, it's just a suggestion, but, uh, definitely, definitely worthwhile to take a look at. Um, uh, the other thing is, is that, uh, I think we're, we're pretty much feature complete and, as in line with our MVP, uh, the minimum viable product. So uh, like Matt was saying, uh, all the features are there, which is like something I didn't think would happen, to be honest. Um, and they were all working pretty well. I mean, we have to obviously do some fixes, like I was saying, but uh, pff, compared to what I thought was going to happen, and like at some points in the in the challenge, it was like, oh, God, this is going to take hours. And then usually I could fix it pretty quickly. Uh, that did not happen near the end where we ran into like a big wall, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, so then also like for the future of the, of the application, just wanted to mention a couple things that we're going to add. And I don't think it's a lot. Um, but the, the first thing is we want to make sure that people can create a custom news group. So being able to, you know, select from all the curated, uh, subreddits that we give you, you should be able to create your own kind of multi-reddit or combined subreddit that will display what you need. So if you're a, you know, if you're a person that's living in Europe, but you're interested in all Europe's and North America's and maybe Cuba's or maybe, uh, you know, some a South American country, a South American country, you want to you kind of customize your own new subreddit, then go go ahead, do that. Like, we'll probably have some sort of UX experience for that. And uh, everything gets saved in local storage, so it'll be there for you next time you load the application. Um, so that that's kind of one of the things that we want to implement. I think it's a fairly essential feature. And like Matt was saying, uh, we just didn't get to it. We It was kind of like a would be nice to have in the code challenge. But uh, with all the other issues that we came, came across, we just couldn't get that one done. Uh, the other thing, and this one might be a little more simple, is just having a light theme. Because I know some people prefer the light theme. I'm more of a dark theme guy. I don't know about Matt, but um, I, d- I definitely prefer the darker theme, especially when I'm going to bed and doesn't blind my eyes. Uh, so that's, I think that was one of the main reasons we decided to choose doing the dark theme first and then kind of adding the light theme later. So, but that, that's really it. Those are really the only features that I'm, I'm seeing my, ourselves adding. There will be adjustments to the UI. I'm sure of that because we kind of went through it quickly. Uh, Matt did a great job, in my opinion, of, of the, with the UI. It, it looks fairly good. 
Uh, but I, I'm sure that he's going to go back and do some minor adjustments, maybe change some fonts, maybe change some font sizes, whatever. Uh, there's plenty, plenty of stuff that could be done. Um, and that brings me to like the motto for this app and kind of another thing I want to discuss after, which is like, so the motto for this app is every time we came up with a feature and be like, Oh, this would be cool. Or this would be cool. But then we asked ourselves, but is that bullshit? Uh, and what, one of the, one of the things that Matt brought up was the, those images, like, uh, we could have added images to each post, right? We could have went into the website, grabbed, grabbed the main image of the website, added that image into the post. But really, is that bullshit? Like, does, is, does that image add any value to the person's experience when they want something that has no bullshit in it? Um, and that that's kind of the model that we used. And th- something moving forward, I think, is if this kind of does well and if people react to it uh, in a positive way, uh, I think maybe we can make a, like, a, you know, a line of apps that are in the same brand quote unquote. So maybe we'll have some, some other like sports, no bullshit sports or something, you know, like no bullshit hockey, something like that. Something really to, to carry forward the brand. If people reach out to us and, you know, enjoy, enjoy the, the application or have any suggestions, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, but that it's definitely a possibility because I did really like the, that, you know, sanity check every time we wanted a uh, feature. Is this bullshit? Yes, not doing it. Um, so that's that's about it for app development. I don't know, Matt. Do you have any comments on app development that you want to add? Uh, yeah, for for sure. So mm-hmm. uh, just to just to kind of reiterate, I guess that motto, the the quote unquote, is that bullshit feature. I think a lot of it comes down to whether or not it affects your your just your straight up reading experience. So one of the things is like since this is like a Reddit companion if you will or something like that uh app or a third-party reddit app of sorts it like we're just linking to the external sources and one of the things that we had a discussion regarding was that indeed like you are going to get the pictures you are going to get the comments you are going to get that type of stuff from the news outlet itself if the news outlet has those and what like why are we providing you with a picture and why are we providing you with anything else that we could have thought of when you're supposed to be looking at the headline, does that interest me? Click on it and read. And I think a lot of people who are into this sort of brand, the no BS brand, is that you you guys probably already ignore the you know the cover photos, the the comments, the social media share buttons, maybe even um, from those news sites. And all you want to have is you just want to click on that article and read it. Um, and then of course we do have a share feature because sharing is huge across everything. And that's not really BS. That was actually a bit of a conversation even in of itself. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like, well, is it BS that people want to share this? But it's like, well, no, because one of the, I think the scenario that we ended up justifying it with was if there's something major happening in my town, um, or my neck of the woods in some capacity, my country, my area, whatever. And I see that. And, you know, I, I want to share that with people that are abroad let's say family that's abroad or family that are just that have moved away recently or whatever i'd want to share that um or even just things of interest you'd want to share that and that's part of just the reading experience so you know that in and of itself isn't really a bs feature however we made it extremely simple it either pulls up a share dialogue or copies the url it doesn't it doesn't have four or five different share buttons in which it opens up different share dialogues and all that type of stuff which which is functional and great for some stuff, but we want a really quick streamlined thing. So that's how we're doing that. Also, if you're really into the commenting scene, but only occasionally we added that open, open this post on Reddit button. That was, like I said, it was a last minute ad, but that from a UX perspective was, well, if you see something that, you know, you think is incorrect, um, that you were really pissed off about that you're super happy about and you need, you want to say something about it and you're, and you're, you know, a standard Redditor, then you can quickly click on that and then boom, you're right in that Reddit app and you're right on that post or whatever, depending on what platform you're on computer or our app. And you're like right, right where that post is at. And you could quickly comment or you could quickly add a karma thing or give gold or whatever you do, whatever you Redditors do. I, I use Reddit here and there, but not, I'm not a, not super versed in it. So Mike was filling in a lot of the UX things that Redditors do, but, but that like, What's good about this motto is what I'm just trying to get at. I know this is a long-winded, but what's good about this motto is that it's one of those things where there's a lot of apps that we've been a part of, a lot of websites we've been a part of in which 
a lot, especially customers, customers will constantly bring up the fact like, oh, they'd be cool if we could do this. Um, we have customers that will ask for music. Like if they're not versed in, in like the standards of the web, if you will, the design standards, they'll be like, hey, like, you know, we have like these eight features or whatever and everything's fine, but could we add music to it? And that's something that we're always like, no, like you can from a technical perspective do it. But no, because it's annoying because there's a reason why people put their phones on silent. There's a reason why people mute the media uh, slider if you're on – if you have the volume sliders on Android. It, like there's a reason why people want things to be silent because they're trying to read or research or whatever in a public place and they don't want that. And it's just annoying because they're li- maybe they're listening to music on their computer and it's like, oh, now I got this other thing coming in. So it's – but like what I'm trying to get at is the no BS part is like a really good check. And I think that – not necessarily the no BS motto will apply to every project, but I kind of think that in larger projects moving forward, we should have a motto, a motto that is at its base and like that, that will keep us in check for adding features and adding things. And like, if the, if a customer says you want something minimalist, then that should be the motto is this minimalist. And we should go forward with telling him, Hey, you know, you said in the beginning, you wanted this minimalist, like this could be added but, you know, we're starting to add, like, some bloat here, so maybe we should consider otherwise. I just think it's a cool – it's a really simple idea of having, like, that motto in the back. But it's a cool way to remember what you set out to do. Because there's so many apps out there that grow, 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 and then start cutting back features um, in the development stages because it's like, oh, Jesus. Like, why do we have four different types of share buttons? Cut these out and whatever, right? Uh, before it hits the public eyes. But I just wanted to say that. I think that that's an interesting thing that – I personally am going to try to incorporate into my future uh, designs and building of websites. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I will too. I've, I've been trying to do that with most applications. Uh, I think uh, some one of the technical terms for this kind of stuff is feature creep. Uh, as soon as you kind of, um, sometimes you even like assign one person in a meeting, be like, you're the feature creep person in this meeting. If we start talking and going on a tangent about features, you know, keep us in check being like, listen, we're not talking about features. Like let's not add anything because it can get really out of hand um, when you're trying to do something on a deadline. And all of a sudden a client brings up a feature that they really want, but it doesn't match the deadline that they themselves have put to, to, to the team. Uh, It kind of doesn't make sense to do it. You can kind of call that feature creep put it into a next uh, development cycle and something like that. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I liked, I kind of liked the no BS branding of it too, uh, because it really kept us in check um, rather than, you know, just calling it minimalist or something like that. Uh, I think the no BS really like put a proponent on, on all the features that we talked about. Um, but I'll move on. Uh, so the last thing that we had to do um, was app deployment. So that is segment three. Uh, so, We've already had a few episodes where we talked about deploying and deployment in a little more detail. We haven't had like a full-on discussion about deployment because I think that, uh, at least for myself, I'm, I'm not super comfortable with it yet to, to be able to give too much advice on deployment. But uh, I think it's, it's valuable to talk a little bit about it uh, in context of a 24-hour challenge. Um, so this was by far the most frustrating part of the entire day. Uh, and this is, it was only my second time using Docker and deploying to digital ocean. So that combination, plus the fact that my interests more lie in the development side rather than deployment side, I'm glad I learned it. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind knowing new things and knowing how the process of deployment works for the future, but I would much rather just sit back, you know, put my hands back and be like, listen, I've you know, made this application. Can someone else deploy it for me? That would be great. Uh, that that would be an ideal future for me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there at some point, but we'll we'll see. But pretty much, uh, the the task was to get it for initially deployed in an Nginx container on a Docker uh, in a in a Docker in a Docker Nginx container on a DigitalOcean droplet. Uh, so this this in itself is actually a fairly simple deployment compared to what we had to do for HTML of things, which was in a Docker, in a DigitalOcean droplet, we had to do three Docker containers, one for the database, one for the backend server, and one for the Nginx to load the website. Uh, that was a little more complicated, but again, that wasn't there wasn't a 24-hour cutoff, so I, had, I took my time, made sure everything was correct, did a lot of security measures. Uh, it was still frustrating, don't get me wrong. But for this challenge, it was just the Nginx um, to get it deployed 
just have it as a web app for, for in, initially. Uh, that in itself was kind of challenging. So I think we started deploying at around 12 o'clock at night. Uh, so 12 a.m. And I think the first initial part of the deployment, even just getting the application to show up on, you know, www. Nobiusnewsforreddit.com, that took me like an hour and a half or so, uh, maybe an hour, not not that long. But it it was frustrating in its own right. Uh, but then as soon as that was finished, I was like, well, if we want to deploy it as a PWA, if we want to add all these features like sharing, if we want to have uh, stuff like that, like being able to use the features that we want to use, we have to have this SSL certified. Um, in itself, that makes sense. I, I agree with every website being SSL certified, but that, you know, that's, that was the next logical step. So deploying, put in, put in an SSL certificate. And this is where I just got pummeled. I mean, uh, like it was probably one thirty at the point where I started SSL work and I, I don't know if I was just not thinking clearly, but I pretty much just took what I did in HTML, the things.com. And I kind of just like threw it at this one. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I just going to throw it, click enter and see if it works. And of course it didn't work. And my solution to the whole problem, and this took like hours was, uh, literally just throwing different solutions at it from like stack overflow, like copy pasting. There was no thinking involved at 1.30 or 2 a.m. Uh, there was just me panicking, like but not 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 screaming or yelling, but like panicking and hitting my head off the table and uh, just being overly tired and probably grouchy. Um, but we did like we we got through a, f- a few steps of it. Uh, Matt Matt tried to help uh, at s- at some point, and that kind of helped a little bit because it kind of got my head my head working in a different way, and I started thinking about it more logically. But I just couldn't get myself to wrap my head around the fact that the so it's an I'll explain it a little bit in more technical terms. So the the Nginx container is a Docker container. So that is a Docker container running on a DigitalOcean droplet. So it's it's running there and it's it's very isolated unless you make a volume accessible externally. Um, so you what what you have to do with like the comp file and the HTML files and stuff like that is you have to link them in a volume and link them to the internal container of of of, of the Nginx uh, Docker container. Uh, and w- what I was getting caught up on is when let's when let's encrypt, uh, which is a free SSL certif- certificate uh, generator, uh, and I use Certbot because I'm using the Ubuntu a Ubuntu installation. Uh, which is an a cert bot is an automated process of getting this certificate. Um, so when cert, when cert bot tries to hit my container, if I don't have that volume mapped to the internal volume of the container, it can't do the test that it needs to do to give me a certificate. And so that was the whole problem. And the, the other issue was is that you can only do five like authentications, like five tries before it locks you out for an hour. So I think in the first, you know, three minutes I did like five tries lock me out for an entire hour so I was sitting there researching for that hour like being frustrated then I tried it again and it, it locked me out for another hour and I think in total we tried it three different times um, it wasn't exactly an hour each time it was like half an hour to 40 minutes uh, it just says an hour I guess just to be just scarier or something like that but uh, that, that also slowed it down considerably but pretty much couldn't couldn't get it done was frustrated we just chalked it up like, okay, we have the app deployed. At least we have the app deployed. We're exhausted. Let's uh, let's end you know the session right now, uh, and go go home, get some sleep, and then maybe tomorrow if if we you know sleep and wake up and we can figure this out. And that's kind of what happened. So that's a it's a it's a suggestion that I give everyone. So pretty much, if if you're having this problem and you're bashing your head against the keyboard, just step step back, like do something else. Either focus on another feature if you know if you have a deadline you have to get it done. Focus on another feature, or uh, you know step back and do something else. Watch TV, go for dinner, whatever. Like that process just resets your mind and lets you go about it a little bit differently. And every time you go about a little a little differently, you can get a better mindset into something that you're having trouble with. That's at least that's worked for me. I don't know if that works for everyone else, but that's kind of how I've I've done troubleshooting and it's worked out decently well. Uh, I can be like super frustrated. I like zero idea of what to do. Take a step back, even if it's like a half hour step back, come back to it and be like, oh yeah, why didn't I do this? And then it's just, it just works. And that's what happened with this. I had to go and look at the fact that 
like I was saying, the uh, Let's Encrypt was trying to access a folder inside of my Docker container that I did not give it access to. So I just had to map a volume to it, make it the Let's Encrypt, uh, the SERP bot access that folder, and it worked right away. After that, it's it's fairly simple. You just set up your uh, Nginx comp file and with with SSL certification where your SSL certificates are on the server, and it it, it works just fine. Um, so the, it probably took me I don't know five to ten minutes in the morning to solve a problem that we banged our heads at for like three hours at night. Uh, so there's a lesson in that. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's just better to you know take a step back and not bang your head against the wall just because you can't solve something. But the, this is the part of the coding challenge, right? So this is part of what, what the coding cha- challenge experience is. And it's also an indicator of crunch time. So sometimes in your job, in in a school environment, in a job environment, you're going to get to the point where you have to release an application and you have to release it tomorrow and you're not done two or three crucial features. And that becomes in itself a coding challenge. That's why these coding challenges are worthwhile to do. That's why these coding challenges are like... I wouldn't say essential to someone's career, but it's very important to be able to work in that crunch time aspect. And uh, it kind of brought me back to like school, school. And I even talked to Matt about it. Like, this is weird because, you know, at at some points, Matt and I went to the same uh, college and we were sitting in that same basement that we were sitting in uh, today and studying for an exam. And it was a very similar kind of feeling uh, to that. Maybe not as panicky because it's not an exam, but like it, it was a very similar feeling. And I, it's, it's important to be able to do those kinds of things, to be able to, you know, run through it, uh, even if you have to step back a little bit, but come back and try to get it done if you can. Uh, so I'm I'm glad we did the coding challenge. I'm glad it's, o- I'm not, well, not over, like the coding challenge aspect is over. Uh, it was a little bit stressful. I don't think that's ever going to change. Like if we do another coding challenge, I don't expect it to be easy. But one thing that we will probably do in the future is have an initial pre-deployment phase before the coding challenge begins. And um, do the maybe a very basic hello world deployment with as a cell already working and stuff like that, because this is not like in my in my opinion, especially if you only have one or two people, uh, you shouldn't be having to worry about deploying it to the masses during a 24 hour period, especially uh, because it's a big step. And it's it's for me, again, it's not my interest. It's not my it's not the highest interest level. So I was kind of almost dreading it while doing the actual coding challenge. I'd be like. Oh, I finished this feature. Well, that puts me one step closer to actually having to deploy it. And that put a little bit of a damper on my day. But whereas if we were just working on features, I would have probably been a lot more, you know, productive, maybe a lot like it would would have been more fun in the end. So that may be one of the things that we change for the next one. But uh, definitely stay tuned for that. Um, I'm going to pass it off to Matt now for his comments and for the web news. Well, I definitely I definitely agree with that with that last part is because. Like at the end of the day, when we when, if we were to do that like pre deployment hello world thing, we're still like as as a part of the challenge, we would be still deploying the app itself, like because that is like it's not a part of the development process, but it's a part of the the release process. Um, and you know, as a coding challenge, you want to sort of develop it and then release it. Uh, in our case, we're excusing ourselves from the design and research. Um, in addition to now part of the deployment. Um, so basically what we would be setting up is just the infrastructure to deploy. You know, when we deploy it to our DigitalOcean or to wherever we're deploying X coding challenge, you will have, you will have like still pro, like you will still have deployment issues. You just don't have to worry about the very basics, basic systems, hopefully like in place, you know, you, you check your SSL, you make sure your name servers are in the right place, whatever your DNS is configured, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're just dealing with the app itself and then where the app sits. You're not dealing with, Oh, I got to set this whole computer up that it'd be the equivalent. In my opinion, it's the equivalent of us saying like, we're going to wipe our laptops down to nothing and then have to set up our windows installation and then also have to set up our, other installations like we we also have to set up our uh like all our developer environment stuff our vs codes or whatever and then we have trouble with something when you're installing windows and so you're dealing half the day with that like that's totally like it's i i equate it to that because that's essentially what you're doing you're installing you know roles and docker and and configurations on a server and that's essentially what you're doing is you're configuring the server for work so that will be probably excused in any future coding challenges, but the coding challenge was rather fun. Um, another thing I did want to mention too is that uh, it 
it also was a new experience for us in terms of how we did the social, our social media stuff. So even though it was like the middle of the night, we still did a few videos. Uh, it was our first two IGTV videos. We had, I think the most posts and the most stories we've ever had in a single day on social media. We covered it mostly on Instagram and Twitter. However, the IGTV videos are also on Facebook if you're into those. So it's, it's, uh, it was super interesting because we were learning PWA. We were learning kind of more social media based stuff. And I, I enjoyed the experience, but like as a first experience, you know, we're going to tune it and make sure that it is good moving forward. And, uh, maybe we'll be another PWA in the future sometime. Uh, but I think what I'll do is I'll move it right on now to web news. So web news is going to be related. Like I said, it's personal opinions on PWAs or progressive web apps. So I'm going to do a bit of reading here and then I'm going to read out maybe three or four questions. And then we'll Mike and I will, as of course, or as always, uh, actually have a discussion regarding it. So, uh, just a brief disclaimer before we kick things off. We do have very minimal experience with PWAs in both the development and the consumer side of things. I don't really use them. I don't really, I, I, I haven't used many, I should say. I haven't used many in the past and I've never made any until now. So these are, these points and opinions and everything else are just that. They are our opinions and our opinions have minimal exposure to PWAs. So if you're, you know, totally on the other side of the fence as, as whatever opinions we say today, feel free to reach out to us because we're learning. So that's part of our learning. So moving on here, progressive web apps fall into a strange segment of the market because they're not quite native apps and not quite websites, at least under the hood kind of thing. So like a regular user may not really notice that they're on an app or on a website, but for a guy, especially for us who's developing it, like we notice the difference. Now we've entered a time into a time where the internet is relied upon to power a lot of things and therefore an internet browser of some kind is almost always open on people's computers or on people's phones. So on the PC, it's rare that people use traditional quote unquote apps like Facebook, for example, uh, they in general will more than likely be using the browser and they'll be on facebook.com, which serves virtually the same purpose as the app, but it's, they will be on that browser instead on that website. So PWA seem to sort of bridge the bridge the gap, if you will, between the two versus that website versus that app. And they and basically what it does is it adds accessible offline features to web developers that are creating websites or web apps that will eventually need a mobile app of some sort. So you could see it, you could look at it as whether you let's say you're making the next Facebook dot or let's say you're just making Facebook.com you know you want an app and let's say for whatever reason you want it to be a native app but you want an app today and you don't want to wait the three months it takes to develop that mobile app well you could do a progressive web app temporarily and do that or you heck you could just make a progressive web app and that might be your app experience moving forward so with that being said uh there seems to be a bit of bit of a stigma against non-native software so things like web views and other app types are readily available we've mentioned apache cordova several times now and uh, several times throughout the other episodes but the big apps always seem to go with the native route even if it means that they have to make two entirely separate apps so that'd be like ios and android for example um, or maybe they have to deal with porting the, porting between the two, so they develop in some sort of common language, and then they try to port between the two, so they're porting it into either a, a native uh, scenario of some, of some sort where it works just like a regular app, so it's not like a web view. Um, we, if you're a developer in this space at all, you kind of know the the stigmas and the limitations and the pros and cons of each of these kind of all these different like ways to do it. So. This kind of leads to our questions, and I'll list these off now, and then we'll have a discussion. So, where do we feel PWAs will fit in? Will they take off? Will they displace native apps? And are they here to stay? So, I'll kind of toss it off to Mike there, since I've been uh, gabbing on for a bit, uh, to grab his opinions on this matter. <clears throat> yeah, Matt. Uh, so, do I think uh, they'll take off? Um I think they're they're in a pretty good state right now. I don't know if they're going to explode and be the you know the number one thing uh, on your phone at any point in time. But I think realistically, um, I I believe there will be people that have you know three four progressive web apps on their phone at any given time within the next uh, couple of years. I I like them in a sense because for some, something simple like what we're doing. Uh, like the no no BS news for Reddit, it just makes a lot more sense to have it as a progressive web app, especially to start 
uh, instead of having to put in your time and dev dev effort into you know packaging it into an app store putting it on the app store, waiting for that approval process and stuff like that, being able to put it out there and let people use it right away and get that feedback, get that error, like the, the you know, get all the bugs out and stuff like that, see what people think, and then slowly, you know, put it onto the app store if, if, if that's what you want to do. Um, but even for people that uh, don't want to put it on the app store, like I think one of uh, one of our goals is to do that, put it on both on the iOS app store and the Android app store for sure. Um but I think we'll still leave it as a PWA as well for people that have that don't want to download anything extra uh, through the app store, don't want to have that, you know, auto updating feature for another thing, don't want to give uh, any more permissions from the app store, um, just don't want to have the hassle. Uh, just being able to go to a link, add to home screen is a very, very streamlined and simple process compared to having to, you know, find it on the Play Store, click install, wait for it to install, and then go and actually experience the application after that. You could be experiencing the application before you even click add to, add to home screen with the PWA, which to me makes a lot more sense because it's almost like a, sometimes it's almost like a demo, right? Because you check it out on the web, you're like, oh, I like this. I'd go back to this every once in a while. Uh, usually you would just favorite that, but then you'd have to go in and go into your favorites, open it up. Now you can add it to your app store, add it to your home screen, sorry. And uh, it just acts like a regular application for you. Like you don't, you can't tell the difference between it and a regular application in most cases. Uh, on Android, in fact, it almost has all the same functionality as a native application. Now it is using a web view technically. So the performance, like if it's something, of, it's a very interactive application, very uh, transition heavy, uh, lots of tra- lots of animations. I could see there being arguments against using something like this because web views are known to be a little bit sluggish in those kinds of scenarios. Uh, native is always known to be, you know, more to the metal um even something like flutter might make more sense for something like that to be more to the metal coding uh but for something small for a a simple like you know small business application a simple uh you know e-store like a online store that a website wants to have i think that this makes perfect sense for that uh you're on android you're able to give them push notifications like your customers personal notifications you're able to you know use the camera you're able to uh up update like you're able to do everything that a regular application is able to do without having a person have to go to the app store download the application and then look at your application uh you're you're allowing them to actually demo it before you do that that's i think a big advantage of a pwa uh, rather than opposed to like a, a native app where someone has to actually install it and go through that process before they even get to try it. Um, that's kind of where, where I land on it. I think they're here to stay. Uh, the other opinion, the other thing is that iOS is still catching up to Android functionality. There's a couple of notable things like no push notification support on iOS, um, which is kind of a drag. Uh, but really for them and also the other big thing on ios actually and something that we just learned they don't pop up saying add to home screen like they do on android so on android the experience is very smooth like you use the application for a little while and all of a sudden yeah you get a little pop-up saying add to home screen that's how you know it's a pwa on ios on the other hand you can't really know it's a pwa the thing that i'm thinking of implementing and i just thought of this recently because like right before this uh podcast we had a discussion about ios and uh, we haven't even had it a chance to talk to with Matt about it. But I think what we should do is actually detect if someone's using it on iOS and pop up a toast saying, Hey, check it out. You can add to, you can add this to your home screen as a, almost a native application or as a PWA or something, uh, some sort of message to the user that they can do that because it does not provide one natively for them. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Matt. That makes sense. Like something that would say like, you know, go to your, like go to your settings and add to home screen to check us out or, Make sure to bookmark us or like like an equivalent to make sure you bookmark this page, you know, but make it worded such that it's a PWA. So you want to hit the add to home screen button rather than just bookmark. I think yep. that's a cool idea. Or we could even like suggest both really um, because like both of the like it's it just it's equally as beneficial if somebody prefers the bookmark method. I mean, go, you know, go for it. Yep. Uh, one thing I will say. I don't know if you were done your thoughts there, Mike, but one thing I will say regarding PWAs is that they're interesting because because normally and like ours is rather simple. So whether this development process varies a lot based on complexity, I'm not really sure. I'm sure it does. Um, 
not really sure, and then I'm sure it does. But anyway, um, well, I assume it does, I should say. But anyway, uh, I'm surprised that how at, or I'm surprised at how little like the service workers took to to deal with. Like we 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 basically just said, okay, we're gonna make this, and basically just you know went on Git whatever, and we just like banged out an app, which we essentially did with the same same process that we've always done for websites. You know, different branches, whatever, blah blah blah. We have our own way of doing things. We we just banged out an app, like a, a like a web app slash website, and then and then the the service worker was second. Like when we did our last IGTV video last night, it was it was like like the app or the the app slash the website was already done, but there was absolutely no PWA component in there that we had done. There like the service worker wasn't really doing anything, nothing. But today I tested it out. And I'm able to add it to the home screen and sure, only the UI, like the header and footer on my phone appear when it's in airplane mode, because obviously all the links come from, from, from Reddit or whatever. But like, you know, we could add complexity to that and save state where we could save those headlines. I think we mentioned that in other podcasts where we were kind of planning on doing that, but there's a question of to like, what's the use of that? But, but the whole point is, is that look how flexible this experience is. You know, here's a website that we've made. And you can add, you know, offline functionality, essentially, obviously there's limitations to everything, but you can add offline functionality at will to various parts. You know, right now we just have it. So the app can open up. Like I said, it's basically in a demo form right now. The whole app is, but it, it's a weird, like it's a weird development thing. And, and weird is in a good way because if we were like, if we were keen on making, like we, we still have some improvements to do to the HTML, all the things website. Um, a lot of the backend stuff actually isn't even styled. It's just in default forms and stuff like that. So like once we like polish things up, get a little bit, a little bit more design going and stuff like that on there, whenever we get time to do that, you know, if we want an HTML, all the things app and, you know, the service workers slash PWAs are available. Like I think it's a no brainer. That would be from what I'm thinking right now would be one of the paths we would absolutely consider at the very least, if not just go ahead and do, because there's no point, like, I mean, we could Cordova it as well. That's a, you know, sort of a similar uh, outcome, but it's a different, different process, similar outcome. But this seems like we could just, and like Mike can correct me if I'm wrong, we can just tack on a PWA uh, or to tack on the PWA title, essentially by adding in service workers and that type of thing and adding some functionality and like, as we said before too, once this thing is actually done, once this thing is out of demo, essentially, and everything, all the features are in, all the parts are in, at least for like a real, like a real good, you know, version one, uh, we want to put this thing on the app store. And from what we've seen, there are roads to the various app stores. Uh, I believe there's a road to the Google play store road to the app store. I think we're going to be focusing on the Google play store for now, at least, but like, there's a road to that from this and. I think like we've mentioned it in this episode, but like that's super versatile. And, and that speaks to like, I don't know, like Mike's right. Like, I don't know whether they'll take off. It's really hard to tell what will take off, what won't. And I've heard, only heard PWA talked about a little bit, really. Like it's one of those things where everyone was talking about it and going crazy for it because it was new, but then it just sort of disappeared because it, because that's what things do. They kind of get like, Oh, look at what we can do on the web now. Oh, awesome. Okay. I'm going to go use WordPress. You know, it's one of those things. So like this is this is super interesting because you know it's possible and I haven't tested this at all like I said but it's possible that these blogs that are on WordPress that have any sort of following at all could easily get up and running with an app if you just hire a dev for a few hours work maybe here or there again I don't have my research on that but from what from my small exposure to this that those things would have to happen for it to take off and it could take off but I'm not 100% on that I'm not 100% on any of this these are all opinions but um, I would say that it's still sort of niche for sure. And I, I kind of expect it to remain being niche. However, if a big boy in the space, whoever they are, whether it be some sort of, some sort of company that normally just has a web app and they decide to go full progressive web app and a few other companies follow suit and realize, Hey, this is cheaper to develop. You know, we just, we got a web app made and we didn't have to you know, also make a native app that plugs into an API that we made and all this. And we could just have like a service worker, you know, making sure that the user's profile or whatever it is remains offline and then syncs when it needs to, you know, if they, if, if these big companies see savings and like savings in the several thousands or more, and they only have one dev team, you know, keeping, keeping things up and running on the, keeping that website up and running. And then like, you know, a couple guys know how to do the service worker. That is where I think it would take off. 
that is where I also see it would be displacing native apps is if we get if we get someone in there like right now Twitter for example does have a PWA that was the one that we were messing around with and like they have a PWA but they also like still want you to download and use that app like they do have a native app and the native app does do different things I believe Mike uses the PWA full time I use the app but it's it's one of those things where if if they were both identical and one had let's say less less battery usage or if if you know I don't have to have something else essentially installed um, and cause like, cause like you'd sometimes you'll go to, um, like, a, like, a, like, let's say like an app has a hundred features and the web app, because it's the web version has like an extra 10 features on top of that 110 features. It's, it's just one of those things where, you know, if you can bring the full native experience, uh, without having to port it into an actual app, you just have the full experience of your web app in, and it's just as easy as installing an app. Like I'm, I'm there. Like I'll do that. That's fine. Uh, we haven't messed around with notifications. I'm not sure what the limitations are on those. But I would say that because some big boys are still doing it, like Twitter is doing it, but in part because they're not exactly abandoning their regular app. But if, you know, some of these larger companies come in and they, and they like seem to maintain and, or like they seem to like really push, push this train ahead. I still, I think they could displace some, displace some, some larger apps. And one other small thing is that a lot of users and users, they don't really know what they're downloading when they download it. They know what the app is, but they don't like, they don't know all this stuff that we're talking about. They don't know what a PWA is. They don't know what a, what a website or website versus a web app is. They don't understand any of that. They just go like, Oh, I went to the website and use this. Like Facebook's essentially a web app, right? It's not a website where you just go and read the news. You can do that on there, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, managing albums and, photo albums and all kinds of stuff. And so it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things where if it it could be taking off in the background without people like consumers really realizing it. And one example that I have of being actually kind of a part of that was I made a Cordova app. So essentially like a web view app um, for an old website called Berry flow. And that website or that web app was handed out. Like I had a, like a test version that people could just install when I was still in the development procedure and I, I kind of handed it to hand them in. I said, here you go. Like, you know, there's, I think there were three parts to the app. And I said, I only have the first one running, which was the news feed. So like, you know, go ahead, mess around with it, whatever. I'm working on the podcast thing and I'll give you test versions as I make them. And the one guy like had no idea because he was total consumer on the whole thing. Like he, he, he wasn't a developer is what I mean. He was on the consumer side of the things. And the one guy told him, he's like, yeah, that's a web view, man. And he had no idea. So it's like, it, you know, there, there's that native app stigma where it's like, you want to be a native app, but at the same time, if it performs well, works well, does the job, um, companies and consumers alike, I don't think are going to really care. And the stigma is going to be in the niche community of developers, And again, if Reddit or someone, and I don't know what they make their app on, but if Reddit or someone just decided to make their, their native app on, on thing, did they just decide to replace it with a PWA? I'm sure even the people who are, who have that stigma and they want the native, they want the native apps on, you know, per platform. I'm sure that those guys would still download that PWA from, you know, the Google play store and still use that PWA Reddit app. So it's, 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 it's weird because we have an insider view. Um, I think that, that that's sort of where market research falls. I don't know if you have any more comments on this, Mike, but like, I feel like we have the you, blinders on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think one, actually one big thing that's going to stop PWAs from being like a major driving force in the industry is the fact that you can't really monetize them too much. Like <clears throat> your options for monetization are, you know, memberships inside of the application, like being able to log into a member's area or something like that. Uh, or ads, right? Like you can't sell the PWA. There's no way to monetize it in that way. You can't, uh, sell like a premium version of the PWA inside of it. Like, you know, offer free version, sell a premium version. Um, I, I, I see them using, used in tandem. I see a future where people will be able to stumble across an application, uh, through a website and be like, oh, I can add this to my home screen, and then they can use it on they can use it on their phone. But then to get like the premium version, maybe they'll make it so that uh, you'll have to go and download it from the app store and then buy it. You know what I mean? Um, I see that that could definitely be a thing uh, because just the demo aspect, like I said initially, like being able to try it out on the web without having to install it, I think is a big thing for people. 
uh, a, a lot a big barrier to to entry is the install process for a lot of people like they don't want to go through it again i know my parents are a good example of that like they just don't want to go to the app store and have to install because usually like they haven't done anything on the app store in a while so they have to put in their password and they have to install it like that whole process for regular consumers as crazy as it is that process is a stop in a barrier to entry. Like they're not going to do that unless there's an absolute must that they have to download this application. Where if it's like a, oh, this is a nice application. Like this is a nice website. Uh, I would probably use this on my, you know, on my, on a daily basis or on a weekly basis if I could, but I'm not going to go and download it from the app store because I'm just, I'm lazy and I just don't want to deal with that. Um, That's, I, the value in it I see is breaking that barrier. Um, for for large organizations and i think twitter realized that that's why twitter did this uh, because just regular people that go on twitter on their phone all the time all of a sudden they pop up oh at the home screen bam you have you have them as like a daily user right just from being able to click one button instead of having to go to the play store put in your password download application um I, that's, that's really that. I think that's my insight to this. I don't, again, uh, like Matt said, with a disclaimer at the very start, we don't have that much experience with PWAs. Uh, the only thing I can say is that the service worker is not very difficult to set up initially. It is, it's not that it's like to, to make it work in the sense that it's a full offline mode experience where it caches all of your server calls. That's a different step. Um, it's a different step in difficulty level. But to actually just make it a PWA, all you have to do is like get a generic service worker that can be created from for you even by a thing called like like View CLI or a website called PWABuilder.com uh, that can help you with it too, and also have a a manifest file where you display you show what your theme colors are, what your name of the application is going to be on the home screen, and your icons and stuff like that. Um, that's all you really need barrier to make these applications very very low it's super easy to make them uh that's a huge thing i think people are not taking advantage of and i think you're absolutely right in the sense that html the things will eventually become a pwa Uh, i'll have to look into it a little bit more because i do want to launch with the offline mode functionality completely done when we do a pwa for it because i don't think there's any value in uh, no, there probably is still value in making it without having that offline mode because not a lot of people will think to even use it offline. Be like, why would they go there to use it offline? But anyway, I, I still kind of want to delve more into the service worker side of it because service workers do do seem interesting to me. Uh, they allow for concurrency as well, which I kind of want to do like parallelism, uh, you know, running on multiple cores, which I, I definitely want to get more involved into. I did take a couple of courses in university on parallelism and it is very, like for me, it's fairly complicated. It wasn't like an easy top uh, concept to grasp, but the stuff that I did grasp did really, uh, interest me. So I, I want to get into that at some point again. Uh, but really that's, that's all I think I have to add. I, I just want to say, Thank you to everyone that stayed tuned to our, uh, you know, whole last yeah, the uh, debacle, uh, not debacle, but uh, f- fun time that we had uh, last night uh, the for the coding challenge. So thank thanks for everyone for doing that. Thanks for everyone for commenting on social media and talking to us. And uh, you can obviously continue to do that. Reach out to us. Uh, we can answer any of your questions and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good. That's a really good. Uh, just to close things off, that's a really good point, Mike, is, that you had was that it, like for for people, especially people who are occasional users or people who just want to get their news or whatever, you know, like from Twitter, I'm using that as your as the base example. Like, you know, they don't want to have to like back out, go open this Play Store app. Like to them, it's like they have to. Like for us, for us, it's you know, it's just like a curiosity. Like, oh, I got to go download an app and you just do it. But for them. And, you know, like some of the older crowd or some of the people who are more utilitarian or minimalist, they might be like, oh, Jesus, I got to back out, go to a different app now, go back, open this, open that. It's a whole thing. This is like, they're on this thing. They're like, Hey, I like this website. Clearly they like it the way it is. And so they just add to home screen and that's it. And whether they upgrade to the app down the road for more functionality or for a different look or whatever it offers, you know, Twitter in this case still has them locked in. And realistically, like minus the messaging, I think, which I, again, I've only used it a couple of times, minus the messaging or how the messaging is laid out. I just prefer it on the app. Like if it was all the same, 
like I think I would maybe just use the PWA app. And if it had a huge battery benefit, which I don't know if it does, but if it had a huge battery benefit, I would definitely, you know, jump into the PWA version and just do use it. Cause like Twitter is a utilitarian thing. You read the news post on there. Like what else am I doing on there? Um, it's not something that really, really like, you know, forces me to do things with a certain preference. Like, it's not like I have a passion for Twitter is what I'm trying to get at. Right. It's not like I, I, you know, some people really want to use the CLI on computers and that's their setup. Um, and they don't want anything to force them out of the CLI to use a UI of some sort. In this case, it's, it's Twitter, man. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there is someone out there, but I don't know of anyone that is like passionate about Twitter. It is, you know, it's a good, it's a good app, good PWA, and it's a good service, but it's still a utilitarian. It's still a tool, um, more so than, you know, Oh, look at my hammer. It's like painted something nice. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not like no one, no one makes their, their hammer or their tools is what I'm trying to get at. Look nice. It's like this thing does its job well, so I can get this job done, whatever it is. So anyway, so it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years, you know, PWA, just started start just started hearing about it maybe six months ago myself like on mass like started hearing about it in podcasts and stuff so we'll see uh what road it takes and uh, we'll obviously be talking about that as we experiment with those uh with pwas and possible pwas in future code challenges but i think i'm going to conclude here uh at this point because we've been uh, gabbing on for quite a bit and i'm still rather tired from yesterday um and i'm sure mike is too So thanks for listening uh, and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. Uh, You can follow us on all the socials uh, via at HTML, all the things, and that's on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at HTML, everything on Twitter. We're also on medium. Check out our new CSS grid guide on there. Uh, We're also on GitHub and uh, we have, I think a repo or two in there as well. So you can follow the organization or whatever they call it in GitHub and use it up. Also, small note private repos are now free within certain parameters on github as of microsoft's uh, acquiring them so you know check that feature out if you've been using um if you've been using like another service or avoiding bitbucket or avoiding uh avoiding github at all or maybe you've been using bitbucket just for your private stuff and then github for your your public stuff you can use free private repos on github now as well so you can give that a go if if you if you want to, I mean, Bitbucket's a perfectly fine service, and so is your own Git setup. But just an FYI for all those of you guys that may be interested, um, we're also on Patreon, as I said before, uh, Patreon.com/slash/html/all-the-things. Uh, check out the tiers there and give it a go. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and we are signing off. <laughs>